Good morning, folks. How you doing? I think we just need to change the time back every week so everybody gets here sort of on time. Maybe. Didn't really didn't really work too well, but it, you're here. You're here. I'm so glad you're here. You know you're here because we prayed for you to be here. We've been praying all week, and you're here. Well, John compared us to Motley Crue this morning. That was interesting. I can't confirm that we will shout at the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. We will shout at him. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to be with you guys this morning so very much. I want to start out by telling you a story. I like to tell stories. And the main character in this story is it's you. Okay, It's a second-person story. Suppose you are driving along a lonely highway at night. You're coming back from a long trip. You cannot wait to get home. And you're fighting to stay awake. It seems like it's been hours since you've seen another vehicle. You're listening to the radio. You've you got the window down, you know, and you're, you're just trying to fight to keep those eyes open. But your blinks become slower and slower and slower until, boom, a sound like a gunshot brings you fully awake. And then you hear thump, 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 thump. Ah, and you know, you know. So you pull over to the side, you get out, and you check, and it's just what you expected. The passenger side rear tire is blown out, sidewall's blown out, there's no way you can do anything with that, and uh, so you're like, okay, okay. But you're smart, right? You're smart. It's not your head, you're smart. You're ready. You've got a spare tire in the trunk. You know it's there. You're familiar with it. So you open up your trunk, and you move aside the recycling that you were supposed to take like last week, and all the other stuff that collects. If you feel judged, trust me, my trunk looks way worse than that. I, my truck trunk looks like a complete toolbox. It's uh, it's all there. So you you move that aside and you lift the panel to get the spare, and then your heart sinks a little bit because you had forgotten that the spare is a donut. So you're like, oh great, it's going to be even longer to get home because I can I can't go over fifty miles per hour on this donut so you're like okay whatever fine and you heave it out but something feels a little weird about the rubber on this tire so you you pull out your smartphone and you uh, swipe open your flashlight app and you kind of shine it you wave it over the rubber of the tire and you see all these little bitty cracks so ah it's dry rotted can't use that Okay, whatever. You put the tire back in, you close the panel, you slide the recycling back on top. And you are, you're smart. You got the good insurance, the kind with roadside assistance. And you get ready to dial the number for roadside assistance. You swipe off of your flashlight on your phone, and that's when you see those, that one little word up in the upper right corner of your screen, searching, dot, 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 searching, dot, 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 Ah. Is no good. So, no signal out here in the boonies. Um, you're a proactive person. You don't like the idea of sitting in your car, waiting for morning, hoping that somebody comes by. So, you decide to do the only thing you can think of, and you start walking. And ever so often, you, you think, um, you know, hey, maybe, uh, maybe I get a signal. So, you hold your phone up, like really high, but it's still searching, dot, 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 searching, dot, dot, dot. It's a long, lonely highway, and you're thinking, maybe somebody will come by. I hope somebody comes by who's not an axe murderer. 
But it turns out even axe murderers are asleep at this time of night and you don't see anybody. And then you spot something off in the distance, something off to the side of the road. It's a, it's a rectangular shape on its end. It appears to be made of glass and metal, maybe some wood. And you think, that can't be what I think it is. I, I didn't know there were any of those left around. My eyes must be playing tricks on me. So you rub your eyes and the thing is still there, kind of glistening in the moonlight. And you get a little closer and think, yeah, I, I think it is that, but surely it can't be in service. And you see the, that there's a light, okay? There's a light on inside of this thing. That's a good sign. And there's wires coming from a pole down to this thing, and they don't look like they're mangled. And you dare to hope. Could there really be a, a payphone out here in the boonies? You get closer, you look inside, and the receiver's not ripped off of the thing. You're like, okay, this is excellent. You, you pick it up, and you hear the dial tone. Okay, for those of you who are very young, let me explain to you what a dial tone is. <laughs> the dial tone is the sound that indicates a phone is ready to be dialed. It's like, boop, kind of like that. So you reach in your pocket, and you put quarters, uh, a quarter in this thing. Alex, let me stop and explain that, too. There used to be these things called pay phones, and you put a quarter, and they would let you talk to people far away. Um, you put a quarter in, you dial the number for roadside assistance nothing happens you're like well wait wait what is this okay maybe i need maybe i need some more quarters so you you feed a couple more quarters in there you know inflation's getting all of us even creepy roadside uh, uh pay phones are subject to the woes of inflation you feed a more a few more quarters in there and you it's still just that boop, that dial tone that's no good so you just cram all the change you can find from your pocket into this thing nothing happens you decide to dial the operator. That's another thing that you used to be able to do. You could hit zero, and a human would talk to you. It's weird, I know. And they would, they would let you place a collect call where the person who is receiving the call would pay for the call. But that doesn't work either. Just that stupid, incessant, irritating dial tone mocking you and your situation. And you slam the receiver down. Ching! That's also a sound that phones made back then. Ching! You literally hung up the phone, like ching, and you're about to walk away. Now, let me say, you're not normally the kind of person who vandalizes things, but you do recall that in your pocket you have a Sharpie, and so you pull it out, and you write on the glass, out of order, thanks for nothing, and put a frowny face, because that's just how perturbed you are. Frowny face, zero stars. And you keep on walking off into the night, disappointed. Now, I hope that's never actually happened to you. Thank you for being the main character in that story. Appreciate you for that. hope that's never actually happened to you. Um, but I just bet there have been times where you thought something was going to help you, but it was no good. It didn't. Like the time you spent $20 on a realistic-looking fishing lure, and the fish did not realize how much money you had put into the fishing lure and refused to bite it because your brother is the one that catches all the fish. That's my, that's my trauma. That's not your trauma. That's okay. Or um, like a, a, just a beautiful car that refuses to crank. Or like the time you went camping with two Eagle Scouts who didn't know how to make a campfire without kerosene. Another one of my traumas. You got your own. You know, it's just a disappointment. Something looks like it's going to help you. It doesn't help you. So now I want to tell you the real story for the day of a time when Jesus met a fruit tree that didn't grow fruit. Pretty obscure story, 
that surrounds a really famous story. And there's, there's a principle that's going to become clear. This is going to sound weird to you at first, but you'll get it. Okay, I think the next slide, Janiah. The fruitless tree withers. The fruitless tree withers, whether it be a fig tree, a nation, or you and me. That doesn't make a lick of sense right now, but it will. So we're in Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 12. I'm going to read a few verses. We'll stop and pray, so follow along if you'd like. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat from fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll speak to us now through this scripture. Help us to understand this problem of bearing no fruit. And may we be people who have fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So to put this into context, this is one day after Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on the donkey, remember? And they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, and threw their coats on the street and palm branches on the street. And it sounds like he got this great welcome, but he kind of, he knew deep down inside that they really had a misunderstanding of his purpose. And that's going to become clear as this week progresses. He did not stay in the city that night. He went back out to this little town called Bethany, about two miles to the east of Jerusalem, on the other side of the Mount of Olives. And he stays there for the night. Um, Now he's on his way back to Jerusalem the next day. If we're keeping track of days, this is like a Monday, okay? We would call it Monday. Along the road, Jesus is getting hungry. Whatever they ate for breakfast or didn't eat for breakfast is wearing off, and he's hungry. And he spots a fig tree on the side of this public road, so it's fair game. And he goes up to it looking for figs. Now we've got to stop for a botany lesson. All right, It's a little different part of the world over there. Their leaves come out a bit earlier. This is about late March, early April when this is happening. Around here, late March, early April, we don't see many leaves. But there's quite a few leaves there. It's a warmer climate. Similar latitude, but warmer climate. And um, this one particular fig tree had a lot of leaves on it. It looked like it was way ahead of the other fig trees, or all the other trees. It looked really healthy, flourishing, wonderful. The perfect specimen of a fig tree. Except for this one problem. No figs. Hey, you you probably, you know your your fruit-bearing plants of the Middle East, right? I know you're an expert on that, right? (laughs) So you're going to tell me, well, obviously there's no figs on it. If it's like March, April, figs don't get ripe until June, till summertime. And you would be right, except that figs take several months to ripen, okay? And the little figs come out with the leaves. Fig fruit is a pretty weird thing. Look it up sometime. It's made out of, it is actually an inverted flower cluster, And it is always pollinated by a certain kind of wasp. And if you've ever eaten fig newtons, you have probably consumed at least a little bit of a fig wasp at some time. That's not the crunchy bits inside the fig newton. I think that's seeds or something. But as you eat your fig newton, think of the wonders of nature, the beauty of the circle of life. And think of the the little wasp guy who pollinated this and fig newtons. So we're giving up on fig newtons. Sorry. So much for the botany lesson. Anyway, the little green figs come out with the leaves. So 
if there is no little green figs on the tree at this point, there's not going to be any in the summer. This was a fig tree that had everything going for it, looked perfect, had leaves, but it did not grow figs. This is a, a fig tree that doesn't grow figs. So you're going to say, well, why was Jesus looking for a, looking for a fig here? What Jesus, hey, look, you know botany. Jesus invented botany. He invented fig trees. He was there from the beginning. He knows, he understands that he's not going to find a ripe fig on this, but he should have found some figs. He should have found some of those small green figs. That would be the promise of future fruit, and it wasn't there. If there were not any unripe figs on this tree, there would not be any that year. Now, Jesus, who is omniscient, was a big fancy word for he knows everything, past, present, and future. He looked into the past and saw this is a fig tree that has never produced figs. He looked into the future and said there will be no figs this year or next year or ever. This was a fig tree that did not produce figs and would not produce figs. Even if it was given a full lifespan of a fig tree, it was a fruitless tree. So when he says, let no one ever eat from your fruit again, it's not him preventing the fruit that would have been. It's him saying, this is not a tree that produces fruit. And he pronounces a curse on it. Not, again, not to prevent it from fruiting, but to go ahead and bring it to the end of its life because it was never going to produce fruit. So now we come to an uncomfortable bit. Uh, Mark specifies here that his disciples heard it. They did not understand what he was really talking about. I want to tell you that, yes, there was a fig tree here, but this is only one part of a bigger story that he's telling. This story is kind of like an Oreo. You got like the cookie, and you got the cream in the middle, and you got another cookie. The fig tree is the cookie. And we're going to come back to the other half of the cookie. But there's about to be some cream in the middle. All right? I want to explain this to you. In biblical symbolism, the fig tree is a symbol of Israel. And I realize that with Israel in the news right now, it's got a lot of people's attention, and it should. Understand that Jesus is the Savior of all people, but he came to his own people first. That's where he lived. That's where he ministered for most of his adult life. He never got out of a pretty small radius among his own people people like once or twice he left his own country to the neighboring country and that's about it you see israel had been the people through which god had dealt with the world for 1500 years at this point more than that, more like 1800 years abraham isaac jacob and their descendants those were the people who were receiving the prophecies, who were receiving the scriptures, who were talking with God, who were sharing the message of God with everyone else. The temple in Jerusalem built by these people, that was the place where folks from all over the world would gather to worship the true God. This was at the time of the Passover. So there were people from all over what we would call the Mediterranean region who had gathered in Jerusalem at this time. For the Passover celebration. So it, it was the Jewish people. The nation of Israel. That, that was God's primary conduit. For dealing with the world. But that was about to change. Jesus is headed to the temple. And he's going to encounter another fruitless tree. 
Verse 15. See if you can pick up on the fruitless tree here, even though a tree is not mentioned directly. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying, it is, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. If you'll leave it on, park it on verse 17 for a while. There you go. So this is the famous part of the story, okay? Like, I grew up in an era where the WWJD thing was like a big, anybody remember WWJD? Like, one of my first experiences in youth group, I wasn't really involved in youth group until Donald Martin grabbed me and made me teach youth group. He said, hey, you're going to teach youth group for the next two months. I said, I've never been to youth group. He said, well, I guess you better show up. And it was the WWJD. And the first week I taught through that curriculum, I did a terrible job. The next week was better, and it got better from there. Boy, it was bad. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Just remember, within the realm of possibility of what would Jesus do is turning over some tables and chasing some people out. Now, I don't want you, look, when you go to the Mexican restaurant after this, don't be turning over the tables. WWJD, woo, yeet. Don't do it. There, there's a purpose here. Look, Jesus turns over tables and chases. He chases the crooks out of the temple. No offense, Duncan. Duncan Crook. It's his last name, Crook. He says it means shepherd's crook, but uh, up for debate. Kidding, 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 kidding. Some, who wants to walk me to my car after this? Yeah, he, he chased the, the guys out of the temple who were the, the thieves, really. Jesus did this on two separate occasions. He did it near the beginning of his ministry. And now here at the end of his ministry, apparently they didn't get the message the first time and they didn't spot him coming the second time. Hey, oh, he's back. He's back. So the temple was the main building in a much larger complex. Okay, so you had the temple, which faced to the east, and kind of around the temple you had several courtyards, okay, like gated courtyards and you had inner courts and outer courts the outermost court of the temple complex was called the court of the gentiles a gentile just means someone who is not jewish and by and large probably people listen to this right now by and large are, are not jewish by ethnicity so that's the place where you and i could go in the temple complex you could not have gone further in unless you were jewish by birth this was the place where um, non-Jews could come and worship the true God, court of the Gentiles. But it was also a place where people were availing themselves of an economic opportunity. It was a very busy place. A lot of businesses had sprung up in the court of the Gentiles. And some of them were, I mean, they were kind of legitimate. It was a bad place for it, but maybe a necessary service. Um, remember, people are visiting Jerusalem from all over the place and this was during the sacrificial system so they had to present an animal to the Lord for sacrifice and if you're coming from way thousand miles away it may be very impractical to try to transport an animal so a lot of people would save up their money and when they got to Jerusalem they would buy a suitable animal there for presentation at the temple so this is a necessary thing 
But a couple of problems here. This is not a transaction that needed to take place within the temple complex. This was just somebody taking advantage of an opportunity. They were also taking advantage of the people because they would overcharge for these animals. And they were known to sell animals that were sick or deformed or flawed and not technically uh, appropriate for sacrifice. Um, They generally ripped off some vulnerable people. Mark specifies that Jesus turned loose the doves. Sounds like a wedding, right? Release the doves. Is that still a thing? Hey, we live in a regnet part of the world. Somebody will have the shotgun out. If you release doves at your wedding, and you probably don't want that. Um, the doves, doves were the sacrifice offered by the poorest of people. So we're emphasizing here that they were taking advantage of people who were already disadvantaged. There were other vendors in the court of gen- the Gentiles. Some of them exchanged currency. Remember, people traveled from all over the Mediterranean region and had other currencies. But the Jewish temple tax had to be paid in Jewish shekels. And I think there was one other currency. They could use like the currency of Tyre or something. But they had to have local currency to pay the temple tax. So there was a needed thing to exchange currency for the local currency. But it did not need to take place in the temple complex. And these guys were taking advantage of the people who came from far away and they would charge like 10, 12% to make the exchange. So they, once again, they're taking advantage of vulnerable people. And we're not done yet. Jesus, it, the scripture says that Jesus would not let anyone carry anything through there. See, the court of the Gentiles had a gate that opened to the exterior of the city so you could come in through the court of the Gentiles and it was a shortcut over into the center of the city where the marketplace was so people would carry in their goods that they wanted to sell taking a shortcut through the court of the Gentiles. What's supposed to be happening in the court of the Gentiles? This is the only place in the world, in the temple complex, the only official worship place For these Gentile believers. And yet it is filled up. With people selling stuff. And animals. And people ripping vulnerable folks off. And here are people trying to worship. So Jesus looks at this. And he is mad. You know it's okay to get mad. Jesus got mad. If you're mad about the right things. Your football team. Doesn't make a first down. Because the ref made the wrong call. Happens to me all the time probably not a justifiable source of anger sweetheart don't remind me i said that this afternoon forget i said that someone who's vulnerable getting taken advantage of you should get mad about that that should bother you someone who's trying to worship god who's genuinely seeking god and somebody's putting up barriers to that you should get mad about that part of what we do here is to remove some of the barriers to people who are just trying to seek God. That's why we don't get stressed about dress code. That's why we don't get tore up about, you know, somebody smoking outside. I don't care. God's worried about your heart more than he is about your lungs. We'll get your lungs later. Let's start with your heart. We ain't worried about that. We're not worried about all these barriers. We want to take them down so that no matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, you're loved. Jesus got upset, and he He goes and he runs these people out. In his earlier time, the first time he ran everybody out of the temple, he he made a whip 
out of cords and like Indiana Jones them, you know, right out of the place. And he runs them off. And he, while he's doing this, he's giving an object lesson. I love this as he's like turning over tables. He said, by the way, let me quote some scripture to you. As I'm turning over tables, he quotes um, Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11 together. Jesus can do that because he wrote it. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now that Jeremiah passage predicts the destruction of the first temple. That temple was rebuilt. Now we're in the second temple. These scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law, they know what he's quoting. They know what he's implying. He is implying the destruction of the current temple. And they are livid. He is a threat to their power and to their place. They hated him and they feared him and they plotted his death. If you've ever felt mistreated by religious people or religious leaders, Jesus gets it. It was religious people who arrested Jesus and had him executed. The Romans did the dirty work of nailing him to the cross. But it was the religious leadership that orchestrated all of it. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? I still think we have the problem today of sometimes religion that doesn't really get it. We are trying to do something different here, for sure. We won't always get that right. I'd love to say we always get that right, but we're trying. We're working hard to try to do that. Jesus was murdered by religious people in the name of God. Okay, so this cleansing of the temple wasn't a random outburst. It was the next part of the message. Remember, this, this message is an Oreo. That's the cream filling in the middle, the famous part, the part everybody's like, ooh, yeah, the cream filling. Jesus turning over tables. We're going to get back to the fig tree again. That's the other cookie of this Oreo teaching we've got here. But you see, I, I want you to understand that this is all one united message. The fruitless fig tree pointed to the fruitless, hypocritical, religious system that Jesus saw there in the temple that day. The leaves were plentiful. Lots of activity at the temple. Lots of people showing up. Looked like the temple's running very well. But where's the fruit? There's no fruit. The only space reserved for the Gentiles has been taken up with animals and commotion and exchange and stench from the animals and thievery people who were genuinely seeking the lord were being pushed out people who were trying to get to god were being held back from that and nobody seemed to care except for jesus in clearing this this area of the temple jesus was clearing a place for the gentiles literally and symbolically because something's about to happen the gentiles are going to get a lot bigger space very soon after this verse 20 let's get verse 20 here now in the morning as they passed by they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots and peter remembering said to him rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed is withered away so Sunday, he goes in and it's the, you know, he comes in, Hosanna, Hosanna. Monday, he curses the fig tree, clears the temple. 
Now we're on Tuesday, and they're going back to Jerusalem again, and they spot the same fig tree by the side of the road. And all those beautiful leaves have fallen to the ground. The tree is withered up from the roots. It had been given years to produce fruit, but it did not, so it withered. This story isn't really about a tree. It's about a nation. It's about a religious system. The fig tree is the illustration. As the fig tree was fruitless, so was the spiritually bankrupt temple system. As the fig tree withered, so would that system and the nation. Ah, see, okay, this gets controversial. This gets uncomfortable, right? But that's what we do here. We get uncomfortable for the right reasons. Jesus got uncomfortable for the right reasons. We're going to get uncomfortable for the right reasons. Here is the difficult, difficult truth. Jesus came to his own people. Many believed in him, but most did not, especially those in power. In a matter of days, this is Tuesday, crucifixion is on Friday. In a matter of days, Jesus would be captured by the religious leaders of Israel, put through a mockery of a trial, beaten, cursed, spit upon, and nailed to a cross. He came to his own, and his own received him not. They were the fig tree that seemed to be thriving, so full of leaves, but the fruit was not there. And just like the fruitless fig, the fruitless nation would wither. Barely a generation after the crucifixion and resurrection, the Roman leaders marched into Jerusalem, destroying the city, burning the temple to the ground. All of that gold and silver that was inside the temple melted down into the rubble so that looters carried off even the rubble of the temple and there was nothing left. They took it to get the gold and silver off of it. The only thing left of the temple complex today is a little bit of the lower retaining wall foundation and it's known as the Wailing Wall. You see that on TV? You've heard of that, the Wailing Wall? That's the one little bit that's left of that whole big temple complex. Israel ceased to be a nation in 70 AD and was not restored until 1948. You know, we have, we have folks here who were around for that, you know. 1948. The temple has not been rebuilt yet. Some people say, well, it's about to be, maybe, I don't know. I know there'll be a temple in the end times because the scriptures say they will. Whether it gets built before then or during then, I don't know. I'd be real surprised if it happens before. So this, this is heavy information. Especially with Israel being in the news right now. Like, whoa, whoa, end time stuff. Does that mean the end times are upon us? Well, we'll get there. Far heavier than the destruction of the city is this. When they rejected the Savior sent from God, the special relationship between Israel and the Lord was put on hold. It didn't really end. Because aren't you glad God doesn't give up on us when we blow it big time? It's not over, but it is put on hold. It's, by and large, it's no longer that nation that is spreading the message of God. It's all these Gentiles who didn't even have a place that day Jesus showed up. Jesus had to clear them out. 
clear out all this stuff that was going on so the Gentiles could be part. The fruitless tree withers. There are plenty of leaves, no fruit. There were rituals, but no righteousness. They were happy to take the money of the Gentiles, but would barely give them a place. Spiritually hungry people were coming to them, but fruitless religiosity cannot feed a soul. Change was coming. And it was kind of a, it's a tough change, of course, especially for those, you know, people like the apostles and, and Paul who came later, who loved his nation. The apostle Paul wrote that and he loved his nation and he wished they would turn to Jesus. But by and large, they didn't. And, and we see that throughout the book of Acts, more and more, it's the Gentiles who are the ones who are, who are spreading the love of God and the gospel of the Messiah. And it's been that way for almost 2,000 years. So has God forgotten about Israel? Has God tossed them aside? Has he given up on them? Are they really withered forever? Not according to the scriptures. The day is coming when God will restore his people and they will be the fruitful fig that they should have been all along. That's going to happen. Praise God for that. But in the meantime, we, we need to be thinking thinking about these things when israel is in the news like it is right now people start to wonder if the end times are at hand people ask me say you think it's about time and part of me is like i would really like to see jesus come in my lifetime that would be awesome let me tell you it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better but it's going to get so much better that we'll kind of forget the worse here's my advice to you because we do not know when these things will transpire you just do the master's will pray be a fruitful fig tree that's what you need to do be a fruitful fig you don't get to choose when the end times come or what happened in history or much of what happens in the future but you choose to have fruit or not that's you four days before jesus was hanged on a cross jesus met a fig tree with leaves but no fruit within a day that fig tree was withered he entered the temple, and he found religious activity, but no fruit of righteousness. Within decades, all of that was withered. Today, Jesus meets with us. What will he find? Leaves or fruit? The appearance of religion or a life that is truly transformed and making a difference? I want you to know this message is not about salvation by good works or salvation by good behavior. You cannot be a good enough fella or a good enough gal to get into heaven. You just can't. It's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. But if you're saved, it should show. There should be fruit in your life. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control is your fruit there that's a tough one Whew, that's a tough one i gotta look at some of this stuff myself at the beginning I, I gave you this this kind of main idea and it maybe it makes more sense now the fruitless tree withers whether it be a fig tree a nation or you and me Barely a generation after this, Israel withered. As America becomes more and more fruitless, America will wither more and more. 
And you could think, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. I wish it wasn't that way. I want it to be different. I don't like this idea. But how can I do it? I'm just one person. One little life. How can one person change the trajectory of a nation? I'm telling you, it's always one person. It's always one person at a time. Always. A nation is made up of individual people. A family is made up of individual people. A community is made up of individual people. You can change the trajectory of your household. You can. And you must. You can change the path of our community. And yes, if enough of us do that, it will change the future for our nation and maybe the world. You cannot choose what other people do. But you choose what to do with your life. And the choice you make has ripple effects. Maybe for generations and generations in your family. It has ripple effects in your community and in your nation. So I'm asking you, will you trust Jesus? And will you show the fruit of a changed life in the way you live? Will you do that? We're going to pray right now, and it's your opportunity to make that commitment. Heavenly Father, we are a people now. We want to be a fruitful fig tree. We don't want to wither. We want people to be able to come to us and be nourished spiritually. I pray you'll make us fruitful. God, I pray for whoever is hearing this who needs very much to trust in Jesus and be saved, that they would do so, that they would confess their sin to you and ask for this new life in you. And I pray for every single person who is doing that now, who has done that already, that the fruit of the Spirit would be evident in their lives. God, produce in us love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness faithfulness, self-control. God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, folks. Okay, so next week we're going to do, we're going to defy the laws of physics and we're going to throw a mountain in the sea. That's what Jesus said. So we'll talk about that next week. That doesn't sound like it adds up. Okay, come back. We'll talk about it then. It's going to be all right. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of what we do. Come back next week. Bring a few friends. We still got a few more places we can fill up here. We bust out the other chairs. I'm just, I praise God. You all have a wonderful day. We'll catch you next time.